founders of Technology Easy to London, and I'm here in Toowoomba, Australia. Uh, Andy is the joint CEO of Gather Movement, an organization very similar to Movement Australia in its mission and purpose. He's also the director of Share Jesus International and the chair of the London Mission Collective. Did I get that right, Andy? London Mission That's right. Well, it's a mouthful, isn't it, really? Lots of different titles, but yeah. You, you wear a few hats. Um, so for yeah, those well, I'm, I'm bold, mate, so I have to cover up my bold spots. That's my uh, thinking. That's the thinking, yep, that's right. You're pretty safe in London, though, isn't it? The sun's not going to do you too much damage in London, is it? Well, it's, it's, it's the rain, mate. It's kind of pours down. It's, uh, I think it's wet <laughs> away my hair. That's the issue. <laughs> that's true that's true um andy for those of uh those of our listeners and watchers who may not be familiar with you um can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the different roles that you're currently um occupying yeah so i'm based in london i've got a real passion really to share and communicate the christian faith but i also really strongly believe in the importance of church unity that uh, jesus hasn't got many different churches he has one church and really it's about how we work collectively as his church in making a difference in our communities, in, um, in sharing the gospel, in seeing places transformed and changed. Um, with Gather Movement, we'll talk about three different transformations. We'll talk about social transformation, about how do we transform the social way of our, 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 our place and our community, looking at job creation, looking at those in poverty, how we challenge that. We also talk about um, a spiritual transformation, the idea of people come to know more of who God is. Uh, Christians being discipled and released into the spheres of culture. We also talk about cultural transformation. How do we transform the culture we're in and how do we take the values of Jesus and help us have better conversations in our places as well? Yeah, London, you know, is a major global city, um, a massive place. How do you approach practically outworking those three principles that you just talked about in a mega city like London? It's a challenge, eh? There's about 9 million people in London, so trying to get everyone on the same kind of sheet is very, very challenging. But London's broken down into 32, 33 different boroughs, depending on how you see it. And so what we're trying to do really is help facilitate different unity groups in different boroughs. Some of these have been existing for 20 or 30 or 40 years, some are quite new. But in each borough, you have um, several hundred thousand people. But there you can really help to network the churches together to relate to their local civic authorities and see a difference being made in those communities. And then three or four times a year, I'll bring together the leaders of those different borough-wide unity groups. You think about London as a city. So actually, um, October the 2nd, a couple of weeks' time, we'll be doing this thing at the London Eye, the big kind of a Ferris wheel we have in London. I've been we're on it. Be yeah. from that. And as we get to the top, we're going to be asking a couple of questions. It's called a rooftop experience. My friend runs this thing called Rooftop. And as we go around the, uh, the, kind of, the kind of wheel, we're going to be asking kind of what do we see? Then what does God see? Then what is God doing and how can we join in with what God is doing? And that'll be kind of a moment to explore how we as unity group leaders in the capital can see the difference we can make across the whole of the capital rather than just our segment. So, yeah, you've got it. It's a two-pronged two two kind of approach where you there's unity groups in each borough, which I guess is like a mini city in itself, isn't it? A few hundred thousand people. Um, are you finding that there is generally a hunger to work together in each of those boroughs across denominational, um, uh, you know, the traditional denominational divisions? I think it's uh, some yes, some no, and a sea of maybe. Um, I think um, the challenge is that there are uh, sometimes some bigger churches 
which feel they're almost doing their own thing. And that's a bit of a challenge. There are some smaller churches that are so focused upon just surviving, they can't really think outside of the walls. Uh, but generally, I think in the last number of years, we've seen the importance of church unity, particularly during the kind of COVID couple of years, um, where that really impacted the UK in a massive way. Um, churches had to work out how to operate differently. Um, there's been some great stories emerged from that, how churches have worked together. So, for example, there's a, um, a borough called uh, Bromley. And uh, in Bromley, uh, during the kind of COVID time, um, there was a massive issue with kind of food poverty, people not getting enough food in certain places. So as churches, they worked together there and they already had lots of food banks existing already, but they networked them together much more effectively so that when tons of food was delivered, they could actually distribute it to the needy places right across the borough. And because of that, they actually got an award from the, um, from the mayor's office just saying congratulations on doing such a great job during that time. And those kind of moments of working collaboratively really happen to powerfully connect with the civic and the civic to recognize the role the church plays week in, week out. And from those relationships being kind of, I guess, strengthened in that time, it's been a real desire going forwards for how can we continue to work more collaboratively to see a greater impact. Did you do a, a collaborative project with civic authorities on uh, mental health and suicide prevention coming out of the pandemic? Um, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, so every place had to work out a recovery plan. So COVID hit us on so many different levels in this nation. Um, and so the mayor's office in, uh, is, the mayor in London is called Sabit Khan, and he released a kind of ninefold mission strategy for London for how we reconfigure things post the pandemic. And uh, one of them was around mental health and wellbeing. And so we approached uh, his departments I said, look, we as the church in London want to work with you on some of this stuff. How can we play a role? And one of the issues was mental health and well-being and to see how the church could do that. So we did three things. We've, we launched kind of, kind of a big kind of campaign across the city, just networking churches together around three things. Around First of all, there was a great um, suicide prevention course you can do online. And they've seen during COVID and post-COVID, mental health has really been challenged and um, and there's a, a role the church can play, I think. It's becoming more aware of suicide and how we can make a difference there. So it was a, it was a mainstream resource, about 25 minutes long. You watch online to make you become more aware of suicide and how you can make a difference. And we encourage churches to use this material in their churches to say we want to encourage as many Christians as possible to become aware of suicide and the difference they can make so they can spot it and look out for those moments. So that's one thing we did. Second of all, there's a... There's a course called, called uh, Kintsugi Hope, which looks kind of mental health and well-being. And um, we showed that to the civic leaders, um, this group called Thrive London, who oversee the mental health and well-being for London. And they were really impressed by the course. It's a Christian-based course, but it's meant for anybody to come and explore. And so again, we've encouraged churches across the capital to do that course, to run that course, not only for their own people, but for their community as well. And thirdly, in London, lots of churches have um, open spaces in front of their buildings, and lots of them have benches there. So we uh, pioneered an idea of having listening benches where you can create a space on a bench, for people to have a conversation that often mental health and well-being is about loneliness. So how can we help to connect people in those places again? So very simple strategy, but really helping to network churches together and really exciting to see the mayor's office recognize the role the church could play. That uh, if it was just one church doing this, 
it wouldn't mean much. When you're working together with 150, 200 churches across the capital, it begins to build momentum and say, this is what the church can do when we're mobilized and when we're linked and working together. On a practical level, like when you are dealing with, you know, 150 churches, 200 churches, you know, working together on one project and then, you know, um, connecting with civic authorities, with your mayor uh, to, to, to enact a project, how do you set up the structure or what kind of structure do you have in place to communicate between, say, the mayor's office and these churches? Is there a single point of contact or is there a, a group or how does it sort of work so it doesn't become unwieldy? So it works, I guess, in different parts of the UK in different ways. In London, because there are now these existing unity groups in each borough, they provide almost a direct route to the churches. So uh, it's a whole challenging thing for how much, um, how much we lead the vision and how much we empower churches to have a vision for themselves, really. So there's a whole kind of, uh, I guess, tightrope walk there. But really because the, the need came from the mayor's office, so the church unity group said, yeah, we wanted to respond to the mayor's need and see how we can support in this place. And then it's about working out what are the two or three best projects. It could have been a hundred projects, but then becomes unwieldy. And it's really important, I think, for the church, not just to do our own thing, but to say, what is there that the mayor has already created that we can utilize and embed? Because I think often we, as the church, can create our own projects, our own way of doing things, rather than just supporting what is already out there. So that suicide prevention course was already an excellent course, an excellent resource, but the church hadn't really engaged with it. Because actually we want to make sure the church is playing a role in this, in this sense. So for me, it is definitely a tightrope. It's about really understanding the needs of the mayor's office and their aims and goals, and the aims and goals of churches, and seeing whether there are places of connection, and really helping it to be a group decision whereby it isn't just me saying, let's all do this, but how can we um, listen well to the mayor's office listen well to the needs of our communities and try and discern what is God saying to us at this time as church unity networks. Has developing trust with the the mayor's office and other civic authorities generally do you see that as um is there a process that happened like you know um yeah what's the process in terms of building relationship and building trust and um having a sense where the civic authorities can see the church as a positive contributor to the community. It's really exciting. Actually, just last week, there was a, an all-party report, which all different political parties put together a report looking at the impact of faith groups in society. And um, they found that during COVID, um, that local councils had to work with faith groups. And often they didn't really want to, but they had to, because they were the people who were on the ground, who had the buildings, who had the networks. And uh, 90% said their experience of working with faith groups was either good or very good. And that's been a really exciting thing to build upon, I think, because I think previously there was always a concern that the church would have to do two things. That first of all, we were out just to get money and serve our own people. Or second of all, we were going to try and proselytize in a really heavy-handed kind of way. And when they discovered actually that wasn't our intention to those two things, it began to give a sense of ease, actually, we to work with the church. And I think, again, a lot of years people have seen the assets we have in every single community in the UK. There is a church building and there are some volunteers who are passionate about community transformation, who have already been checked kind of DBS-wise for our police checks and things. So you've got a, a, a workforce who are able as well. And so I think there's actually been real openness over the last kind of um, since COVID to begin to work more collaboratively with the church. 
had a real opportunity with um, the mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, my good friend, um, Reverend Ian, um, uh, uh, who's based up in Manchester, um, Ian Rutherford, um, who's a Methodist minister, has been working with the mayor there for the last number of years. I actually spoke at our national summit back in June, and he really has been challenging the church to be more ambitious, to say, actually, there's so much need in our society. We need the church to be more ambitious. But to do so, we have to be coordinated. We have to be strategic in what we're trying to do. And so for me, I guess, in this season, it's about continuing to build trust with the civic, to, to listen to what their needs are, to listen really well, and not to try and over-deliver, but to try and say, well, what can we play as a role for the church at this time? There is a challenge, I guess, as we reopen our buildings, get into a new rhythm of doing church, is that there was so much opportunity, and we're already doing so much. What can we actually take on has been a big challenge. Um, but a lot of the jigsaw puzzle, again, has been about saying, rather than doing lots of new projects, how can we actually link together what's already happening to tell that story more effectively? Um, it's been a great story up in Lincoln um, in the UK, whereby um, there was, again, a challenge there of mental health and suicide, and um, the churches there wanted to respond to that. And so uh, each night of the week, um, a different church building will open up. Church volunteers from across the churches will open up this kind of cafe space in these church buildings and, uh, and make it a safe space. They're now having 70 people a week being socially prescribed by uh, medical professionals to go and hang out in these spaces. And it's worked so effectively in, in helping our NHS, our National Health System uh, Service, sorry, to make a difference there. They've actually been given £100,000 a year to help run that project. So it's a real sense of, thing of showing the worth and the impact we can make as a church by building that sense of trust, by delivering what we say we're going to try and deliver, and by uh, kind of telling our story well. Do you have a sense of maybe, you know, if you think about your own home city of London, of how many um, Christians are currently in the city um, and whether the church is growing or shrinking or in the midst of, you know, this working for city transformation, cultural transformation, is there also, um, you know, salvations being reported, people coming to faith in the midst of this work? There are, for sure. And I think it's a whole challenging thing when you're working with a civic as to how you do that. I actually wrote a little resource called How to Connect Social Action and Faith Sharing. I think as the church, we should be doing more than just social action. We have a mandate as a church to also make disciples. But how we do that in a way that is genuine and that is effective and that isn't taking advantage of situations is a really kind of big kind of challenge to think through and work through. And often what happens either we, um, we become so afraid of saying anything that we don't mention our Christian faith, we almost don't even mention we're Christian, or on the other hand, somebody gets up and starts preaching out loud and it all kind of goes pretty pear-shaped. So finding that middle line of what are the, um, what are the appropriate ways of sharing faith in this context is a really important question to wrestle through for any social action project. Uh, that resource is, is how to connect social action and faith sharing and unpack some of the kind of challenges there and how we do it. But yeah, we are seeing people come to faith and we are seeing um, not millions at a time, but there is a, a sense of thing that when the church works collaboratively, people see we're not actually competing against each other, but actually we have a shared gospel and a shared message to communicate. 
the other thing we've done recently is put together another little resource just telling um, eight or nine stories of different church unity groups and how they've worked collaboratively on something that is evangelistic that actually shares and communicates Christian faith. Get a couple of examples there. There's, um, there's a, a small town up in Yorkshire and uh, they've got a whole variety of different churches there uh, working collaboratively and they wanted to work out how could they work on something that was about sharing the gospel with the community. And so then they've done a thing whereby they, um, they put together a kind of sermon series uh, around the whole idea of, do you know him? Do you know who God is? And that ancient kind of prayer that came out uh, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And they use that as a basis for it all. And um, as churches, they all ran the same sermon series across the same weeks. But because of that, they would put together some money to really promote it in the community. So they had um, posters up and banners up and the whole kind of thing. But when people said, well, which church is doing this? It was, well, it's the church in this town is doing this. And because of that, they got much more traction. And this series of talks explored and explained the Christian faith. And people who had got no church background were able to explore this and actually come to faith in that process. But there's another example of um, up in Edinburgh in Scotland, where they've done a thing called Try Praying. Again, a bunch of churches working collaboratively. And um, they felt that actually prayer was a key opportunity for people to engage and explore the Christian faith. So they launched a campaign called Try Praying. Of course, all the different churches, they mobilised their congregation with the little resource you have and then encouraging people who've got no faith background just to explore praying to God and seeing what happens. Mm -hmm. And again, some incredible stories of there of some amazing God instances, people then coming to church and coming to faith. So there's something powerful happens when the church works collaboratively because it shows that we are not um, always arguing and infighting but that we actually have a shared message that we long to communicate. You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. Do you, yeah, do you think that it is, how does it affect the witness, you know, to the world when churches are working together? Um, I mean... Yeah, do you see that as an evangelistic tool in itself? That you know, unity is witness in itself. Yeah, I don't. I've seen that um, that idea emphasised by um, the, the Plough Association, the City Gospel Movements out of Portland, where they say unity is witness. Is that an idea that you would subscribe to as well? Oh, very much so. I think. I think the more we show we are one church, the more it shows more of who God is. So I think it's. A, I mean, just another amazing story. It's happened in two or three different places now where a church group has got together and they've kind of looked at a map of their area and they've worked out, actually, where, where are the black spots? Where is it where nothing in the kingdom is really happening? And um, so in Swindon and in Croydon and down in Cornwall, churches have done this, worked out a spot where there's no kind of church community. And then different churches say, well, let's work together on planting a new expression of church for that community. 
And it's been great to see where one church says, well, we'll give some of our people towards this. One church says, well, we'll give some of our money towards this. One says, well, actually, we've got a leader who could do this. And different churches committing different resources to create a new church, which isn't underneath their banner or their brand, but is being done because the most important thing is see how do we see people reached in this community that often no one's reaching. Mm. And so, again, it's that kind of a thing you can do when churches work collaboratively that you can't do by yourself. Um, mm. And I think over the last season, we've seen time and time again that no one church can solve the issues we're facing. No one church can reach London. No one church can even reach our borough. When we work collaboratively, there is something powerful that God does which really helps to witness to the world that we are one church, one people, and that we long to see his kingdom come and his will being done. I noticed that you've um, you mentioned a bunch of resources uh, already in this interview, but one that I noticed, uh, which I think is coming out sooner, has just come out, is uh, a little book that you've written called The Five Ds of Transformation. Um, have I got that right? That's right. Yeah, it comes out next week. So I've just, just been signed off. So Okay. Yeah, good, 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 good. Can you unpack that a little bit, Andy? What, what are the five Ds of transformation and what are you hoping that the book will um, achieve? Yeah, it's, um, it's really a, a kind of workbook resource type thing. Um, so there's, there's a chapter called Tear Fund in the UK. This has been working this 20 years ago, but obviously the world's changed a lot in the last 20 years. They've used it often in, um, in developing countries where they've worked out uh, that often a community can wait for outside help um, rather than trying to resource what they, what they have internally to, to make a difference. And really, um, it's been used overseas, but hasn't used much in the UK. But it's a really important thing for us to think through in the UK and in countries like Australia, I think, where often we can say, well, there's some issues in our community. We'll wait for the government to come and give us a grant to sort it out rather than working out what do we already have in our community and what can we do? So I guess there's two kind of polar ends to this. There are some people who, who are very good at exploring the problems and they see all the issues that are around them and they almost feel overwhelmed by the so many issues that are, where do you even begin to start? And there are others who are activists, it's more like me, where we'll just go, this is a great idea, let's go and do it, without really thinking it through. And so the five Ds are really trying to work out um, an approach to work out how do we discern what we should be doing in our community that is sustainable and that is really impacting some of the root causes of the issues in our community. So the first D is discerning, and um, it's really about understanding um, what is our role as a church, what is our role as the church unity group. And the second thing is about discovery, is about discovering different points of view and perspectives. Often we as a church have our point of view, but how do we learn from people in the community? How do we learn from the civic how do we learn from other stakeholders, from businesses? The third D is about dreaming. Actually, what is it that God is perhaps giving us as his dream for this community going forward? So what might it look like? And what is God speaking into this moment? The fourth thing is about design. What are we going to design and create to really reach this need to make a difference? And the final aspect is delivery. Is how do we then deliver this project or this, um, this thing in the community to see, it, see a difference being made? So it's a framework with some kind of key questions, some activities and some biblical reflections to help a church unity group wrestle through. There is so much need, but what is it that God is calling us to do using the assets we already have and, uh, and being sustainable going forwards? And so your desire is that unity groups around the UK and overseas, is, is it for the UK only or is it for a global context? 
it'd be for a global context thing can we use it yeah it's it's a very basically um it's, it's, a, it's a kind of it's a format and a framework really we've put together some powerpoint slides some teaching resources as well as the workbook and it'd be a way just to really um yeah to, to explore the difference we can make in our communities and i i think that sometimes we 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 don't really think long term we don't really think about what are the root causes we don't really hear other perspectives and really it's about going through this process more meticulously so that when we deliver something in our community we can really be making a lasting impact rather than just something that is quite superficial i'm interested in your opinion um sometimes in australia uh, there can be unity groups in a particular town or city that have quite good relationship amongst church leaders and pastors, um, but the group never gets beyond having nice relationship and being collegial and, and, and friendly with each other uh, to the point of actually being missionally engaged in their community and, and working collaboratively uh, on mission. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions about, you know, how you can move your unity group from that place of relationship which is obviously good and needed and foundational to being missional as well and you know how to make that leap or what what kind of what you've seen in the uk in terms of groups moving from unity only to mission as well yeah i think a lot of it is what i mentioned earlier on about the uh, the kind of wheel the focus wheel in london we're doing there i think a lot of it is about prayerfully asking god to show you something about your place that perhaps you've missed previously and i've done it previously with different different groups huge groups in london where we've gone to um uh, in southwark i went to a group there we went onto a very high building again and looked over the boa and um, and just kind of began to ask the question you know what is god doing and and how do we join with god i think often we think as the church as a church huge group we are doing the mission making will happen but actually i think god is often already at work in our places but often we need to be awoken to what god is doing and so these kind of moments are going to a high place of asking that question of seeing things from a different perspective and having space to really um as a as a unit group to to allow god to convict us and to and, and to share our thoughts is a really important thing to do and um, i've got friends who've done a similar thing whereby They've been out with the police for an evening and they've just seen their city from a different perspective by seeing how the nighttime economy works or they've been made aware of a, an issue around homelessness or around people trafficking which i think actually this can't be happening in our place and we have to work out what is our role in this so i think it's about really as a group not just saying you know i want to do this and you want to do this but actually what is the need in our place to really listen to our place and say, how can we respond, respond to it corporately as a group? Um, and it might be that one church takes a lead and others support, but I think having that moment um, of allowing God to mess up our lives in some way and to give us a fresh perspective and a fresh vision is really important. I think often we talk about how we pastor our churches, but really I think church unity groups are working out how do we pastor our community? And that change in mindset is really important. So it could begin with, a moment on a high building looking out it could begin with a specific need it could begin by talking to someone in a civic office and um, again i was with a group uh, in reading in the uk recently and then um, they had very difficult relationships with their uh, civic historically they wonder they went there someone brokered a conversation and the unit group there said look we, we want to serve and, and see what the needs are 
and uh, the civic leaders, there, there were three needs, and um, one need was around nighttime economy and lots of issues at nighttime. One was around uh, adopting and adoption stuff, and one was around food poverty. And the church was able to say, well, we're going to respond to all three of those, make something happen. And suddenly it changed the whole kind of conversation and brought that unity group together from being just relational to being actually we are comrades, I guess, almost in this mission that God has set before us. We want to see lives being touched and changed. And from there, a whole variety of things have opened up. quick break to encourage you to check out our website, movement.org.au. This site contains a library of resources, podcasts, videos, blogs, stories from Australia and around the world of City Gospel Movement, people who are on the ground practitioners bringing the church together across denominations for the sake of their community. You can search by speaker, author, subject to find exactly what you're looking for. Subscribe with your email address and we'll connect with you personally to see how we can serve a city gospel movement in your community. Being based in London yourself, when you look 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, on as this journey can, you know, unfolds, what do you hope to be able to look back on or where do you hope London is at or maybe even your borough of London? Uh, or, you know, what, what's your vision for the future of your city? I think we'd love to see, and the church done a brilliant job in being much more socially engaged, but I think we haven't always done enough corporately, so that, that move to become much more corporate. And we had a, spoken yesterday about social prescribing becoming a massive issue in the UK, is, is, is how do we, um, with the change that's taking place in our culture, where we have an ageing population, and less um, kind of physical medical needs, but lots more needs around well-being, mental health, loneliness, that actually social prescribing is becoming a massive um, opportunity to look at. But as the church, to really be able to be involved in this kind of a conversation, we have to be much more collaborative in our approach. And so for me, the whole idea of hubs forming is, is a big thing for London. How do we create hubs where people can connect and be served in a whole bunch of different ways is a really big part of that conversation. So I think I'd love to see these different unity groups an even greater sense of working together, that we are offering that holistic support in different places. But also I long to see people come to know more of who God is. And I, I hope in the next kind of 10, 20 years, as the church collaborates more, as we speak more highly of each other and relationally, um, that actually will we'll, we'll, we'll glimpse something more of the kingdom. And from that, there'll be chances to share more of the gospel message or two as well. So I think for me, it's about having more structure, more strategy, more coordination, um, and seeing how uh, in the next kind of 10, 20 years, the church becomes, again, uh, at, at the very centre of community as it serves so many practical needs. You, you may, I'm sure you're probably aware of um, the work of Tim Keller in New York City. And um, uh, one of the things he talks about is uh, as the church grows, getting to a point of critical mass where I can't remember the percentage that he uses, whether it's 5% or 10% of the population. And at, at that point, um, even though you're still minority of the overall population, there's a, a, a critical mass of momentum that develops that makes uh, cultural change, cultural transformation um, just much more doable. Um, and, you know, he's 
He's um, outlined some of the changes that took place in New York City throughout the 90s and early 2000s in terms of drop of crime rate and a bunch of churches planted and all those kind of things as more people became Christians. Um, what do you do? You, or what do you think about that idea? And do you know the amount of the percentage of Christians in London? And do you have a, a sort of a goal that you're working towards in terms of percentage of the population, in terms of that cultural transformation, all those kind of ideas? Like, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think um, I'm a big fan of John Wesley. And I think um, he never really knew that revival was taking place when he was ministering. He never really understood what was going on because you got to go from place to place, never quite glimpsed it. I think it's very hard to mark, isn't it, really? People come to faith in exactly what it looks like. I think actually um, what we're looking for really is more than just people saying yes to Jesus, we're looking for disciples who really commit their lives to him. Mm. And so for me, there's a big thing there about how do we release Christians into the spheres of cultural society. So you've hosted a couple of gatherings now with um, Christian entrepreneurs uh, thinking about how do we network them together and help them to see the role they can play in creating wealth and jobs and all those kind of things as a kind of kingdom mandate. So there's a whole area of growth there, I think, as well. And um, I haven't got a, a figure in mind, is it 5% or 10%, Tim Keller says, um, but I'd love to see that tip again. I'd love to see that tip towards the impact that Christians have. And I, as with a guy, locally we run a community festival for the last um 15 years now, I guess. And um, one of the guys said to me, who's just a guy in the community, not a Christian at all, he said, I find you Christians everywhere. You're, you're, you're there in this community event, this festival. You're there when I go to this. You're there when I go to this. You're there in the school. You're there. How are you doing? You're everywhere. And I love the idea that he just glimpsed the fact that actually Christians are being open in their faith, but are in different places making an, uh, a real difference. And he was acknowledging the impact Christians were making in different spaces. And so again, for me, it's not really a number or figure as much, but I really pray that over the next coming years, we see a greater releasing of Christians into the spheres of culture and society. And they'll be making a kingdom impact there um, on whether it be a, an entrepreneur starting a new business, whether it be somebody working in our health service, caring for, for those who are really sick uh, on different levels, we'd see Christians being able to own their, their mandate as Christians in their different spaces. Yeah, we've talked about, obviously, a lot about civic engagement and like you just said there about releasing Christians uh, to be missional in their spheres of influence, whatever that may be. Um, sometimes another strategy in in the city transformation is about church planting and church revitalization. Um, do you have any thoughts or uh, other strategies in place in London or other parts of the UK where church planting is, I mean, you talked about a uh, inner city, a church that was planted collaboratively by the church of the city to meet the particular needs of that city, but more broadly church planting in, in London, in the UK. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a massive part of the strategy again. I think, I think, um, I really worked hard a few years ago working with a mainstream denomination um, that was on a decline and had lots of empty buildings. And I, I worked for a few months trying to work out is there a way to give these buildings over to church planters and to, it didn't quite pan out in the end. I think it's very difficult trying to work out with our charity law, how you do it and different cultures and ways of doing things that didn't quite plan out as I was hoping. But I think it's a really important thing to wrestle through. And particularly in London, one of the big issues is that actually buildings are so expensive. 
Um, and so even the big churches in London will have multiple meetings because they can't find a venue big enough to really do what they're doing. So there is a massive challenge there going forwards. Um, because then when you, I very much you can meet anywhere as church, you can meet in coffee shops and people's homes, but um, there is something about almost having a physical place and a, a stake in the ground for the communities and we're going to do this in the community. So I, I'm passionate about seeing church planting taking place. Um, and there is some of that happening already. There's a great kind of move that happening, um, yeah, across the UK in different in different places. Uh, I think the challenge of the whole thing is is um, is that they we tend to still church plant in middle class areas uh, because if you're trying to set up a church plant, you've got two or three years of funding. You've got to find people who are going to tithe to your congregation regularly, so you almost have to go for a certain clientele. You might be able to help the church longer term. Um, but I think we also particularly have to work out how do we plant some churches in the, mo in the most poorest and deprived areas in our cities, otherwise they can so easily be neglected again. And that is a costly thing to do, but how can some perhaps more uh, affluent churches support and almost come alongside some there? So again, it's about church collaboration. I think there was a lot about revitalising churches. Um, uh, again, in some of these places of poverty, there are some great buildings being used for some great social action projects, but really we've got to see how can we creatively now plant a congregation alongside them, otherwise they'll end up over the years becoming less and less, I think, impactful because what we want to create, I think, is a worshipping community in that community, so as people are served practically, they can almost find a place to belong and find that, that importance of belonging to a community that cares for them as well, so I think Church planning is a massive part of it all. Um, there are groups doing that in the, in the UK that we link in with. Um, I don't think specifically it's my mandate as such, but I think, um, yeah, it, it is important. And, and I think, yeah, in the weeks, months and years ahead, um, we all need to ask some big questions about how we plant particularly in some of the most challenging parts of our country. Maybe just a final question. Um, you know, we've talked very practically today about, um, you know, and heard some great stories about things that are happening in the UK. Um, in terms of the, the foundation for all of this, um, are there, you know, theologically, doctrinally, what are the key uh, biblical ideas that drive your passion for cultural city transformation? Um, you know, if you're trying to convince or having a discussion with somebody who um, maybe thinks the church doesn't need to be doing all this city transformation stuff, um, how would you sort of approach it from a theological point of view? It will, I guess, depending on who I was speaking to at the time, really. But um, I yeah, think first and foremost is that idea of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. There's also a, yeah, the sense that we are called to be one church. That um, yeah, So there's the three things there. There's the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And we have to work out how we're making disciples in this whole thing. And, and discipleship making is a part of church unity has to be about how we're releasing our people into different spheres of society and culture and making a difference that is really going to be impactful. And second of all, it is about um, that great commandment to love others as we love ourselves. And so for me, that is about compassionately caring for our community. And it isn't just about giving people a free parcel every now and again. It's about helping them to become all that they can become. That they are made in the image of God and we want to help to release them into that fullness of that, into the fullness of that um, opportunity they have. But also there's that, that um, those words from John 17, that Jesus says that we will be one church. And for me, they've often been ignored those words. 
um, that we are called to be one church working collaboratively, I think, together. And um, I think the higher the walls become between different churches, the more we fail to fulfill that commission that Jesus gives us to be one church. And I think he says, isn't it, when, when we love one another, the world will see, the world will know, and they, they recognize something in that. But when we come from very different backgrounds, different cultures, different theological understandings, and yet we say we are one in Christ, that is a powerful mandate for our places. And so for me, it's holding those three greats in tension um, and saying, how do we uh, operate in that way? That'd be, I guess, one way of explaining it. And we had a great masterclass from um, Paul Williams from the Bible Society at our summit back in June and he explained the whole idea again of them um, of being aliens in and the building from Jeremiah's uh, kind of pastures there looking at them um, uh, yeah planting and growing and, and, and blossoming in our different community where God has called us to be and there's that whole mandate too but I think for me those three greats are, are the big thing for me um, the great commission and uh, that great commandment to love our neighbours and then the idea of actually being one church that then we are called to be one people, the John 17 stuff. Fantastic. Andy Frost, thanks so much for being willing to be interviewed today. Thanks, William. I'll show you. It's great to hear stories of what God's doing there. I'm so thrilled for what you're doing and just uh, bringing churches together. So keep up the good work, mate. I think God is at move in different nations. And it's just so exciting that we get to play a part in what he's doing. Mm-hmm.